Sarcoma Insight. Sarcoma Insight, this is our destination for education for both benign and malignant tumors. All right, everyone, welcome to this episode of Sarcoma Insight. We have discussed previously, uh, I, sp- I feel like we spent so much time on the uh, the neural elements, um, nerves, uh, benign nerve sheet tumors, malignant nerve sheet tumors. Spent some time on the last couple of episodes with Dr. Awood talking about primary and, and metastatic spine tumors. So doing one more topic before we leave the spine and the neural elements for a brief period. Uh, and our topic for today will be chordomas. Yeah, another exciting topic. Like you mentioned, we're going to be staying in and around the spine, trying to stick with this theme before we move on to another another part of the body, um, another tumor type. Um, but this is a really interesting tumor type. It's one where there's, there's actually several centers around the U.S. that specialize in this because it is especially rare and unique within the setting of uh, sarcoma in particular. Um, yeah. So kind of starting off with that, we're already talking about it, and our, I'm sure our listeners would like to know what what this is and why is it so special. So Izu, you want to tell our, our listeners what chordomas are? Uh, yes, uh, chordomas are, at least we like to think of them as a malignant tumor of notochordal origin. And so if you listen to that, you're saying, what is the notochord? Or some people might have heard about the notochord. At some point, um, the notochord are the early cells that form very early in life when we're still embryos. They're the group of cells in the embryo that are located in the midline or in the center. And they are the ones that eventually allow for the formation of the spine. And so what this means is that the chordomas uh, when they do occur, we usually affect the spine. And they are the most common uh, primary spinal tumor in adults. I think that's a really good summary of uh, chordomas. This is an interesting one because whenever we see a new tumor around the spine, this is always going to be on the differential diagnosis, especially in patients who are are middle-aged or elderly. But uh, this is this is always top of mind when we see a new solitary lesion in the spine, particularly in certain parts of the spine. We'll get to that soon. I'm already starting to move into the the answer yeah. to the next question as we, we typically go for uh, these discussions of uh, different pathologies. But as far as who gets diagnosed, we most commonly see, this, uh, see these tumors in males more often than females in a three to one ratio. Um, and you mentioned that this is the most common primary spinal tumor in adults, but this still overall is a relatively uncommon tumor in general. It occurs at a rate of approximately 0.8 per 1 million individuals, so quite rare. And I was beginning to get into this, but I'll let you answer this question. But where in the body does this typically occur? We've already answered that this is typically in the spine, but are there certain parts of the spine where we see this more often than others? Yeah, you cannot get past even the definition of chordomas without mentioning spine. And and so, yes, it's very common in the spine. And um, most commonly, as part of the spine, it's more common in the sacrum or the coccyx. And so that's the bottom part of the spine. So when you sit down, uh, sometimes people feel like they, um, you know, break their tailbone or something like that. The tailbone would be the coccyx. 
All right, and the sacrum is right above that. And then above that is the lumbar area, and then your thoracic, and then you have your cervical spine, and then you have your, your head. So the cervical spine is more the neck, thoracic spine is more the chest, lumbar is more between the chest and the sacrum. And for the chordomas, about 50% or half of them are more common in the sacrum or the coccyx, so all the way at the bottom. Whereas another 35 are more common higher up around in the neck region. And then the remaining, which is I think about 15% are in the rest of the spine in the more mobile spine, thoracic and lumbar. So at least for these patients, we talk a lot about proximity to neurovascular structures. When these chordomas do occur, how do patients present? It, this is somewhat similar to other tumor types that we've discussed or other primary bone sarcomas in that pain is a very common presenting symptom. Um, but because of the location in the spine, this can also lead to impingement on those nerves, either within the spinal canal itself or as they're exiting the spine, depending upon the location of the tumor. And so, for example, if the, this tumor is in the sacrum or coccyx, that most common location down in the way low back um, by the pelvis, then patients might have low back or buttock pain. And in this area, this is where nerves exit the spinal cord that supply uh, function to the bowel and bladder. And so there can be changes in bowel and bladder function if these nerves are impinged upon by that growing tumor in that area. Um, and similarly, if it's in other parts of the spine or in the skull base, like you mentioned, it can, it can occur there as well. There can be other symptoms that would be associated with essentially whichever nerve is being pressed against. It sounds um, at least like it sounds like yeah. that's a very tight area. Are there any other structures that would be affected? Um, you know, maybe uh, GI, uh, rectum, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. So if this occurs in the sacrum or the coccyx, it may be actually, uh, or it may be, may present or be noticed by the physician on physical exam, uh, such as with the rectal exam, it could be palpable in that area, depending upon the size. Uh, oftentimes in the sacrum and coccyx, the area where these expand the most or are have the largest extension outside of the bone is in the front. So that would be into the into the pelvis space where the where the rectum and the bowel and bladder live, as you mentioned. So it could be palpable um, on a physical examination or rectal examination. Um, question that we think about for any tumors. Is it possible for the chordomas to travel anywhere else? So to have metastasis? Yeah, exactly. So metastasis can occur uh, to the lungs, or we're always going to be looking at scans of the lungs as well to see if there's any lesions that uh, or nodules that have uh, are present within the lungs. But uh, another thing that we'll also see is there can be metastasis to other bones and oftentimes to other parts of the spine. So usually whenever there's a chordoma in the sacrum, that most common location, we would want to get uh, imaging of the entire spine to see if there's any other lesions elsewhere. So those are two of the main areas that we're going to be looking at pretty carefully with additional testing once a patient comes in and has been diagnosed with the with the chordoma. To a degree, I guess we're we're jumping ahead a little bit, but um, we have already said that this patient has <laughs> chordoma in this example. But 
what are some of those imaging studies then that may be done if a patient comes into the office and there's suspicion? Most commonly, they would probably already have had an x-ray that suggests there's something unusual going on within the spine or sacrum. What other tests would you get at that point in order to confirm your suspicion for chordoma? Generally, when we think of soft tissue masses, what comes to a lot of our minds immediately are MRIs. And so the MRI is one test that I'll talk about a bit. Uh, and then we'll talk about CT and X-ray and the benefits of those. So the MRI in itself and talking about getting a total spine MRI to make sure there are no other lesions, but also to assess the primary area of the lesion uh, will allow you to tell, uh, get you a better picture of the size and proximity to nearby structures, the bowel, the bladder, the nerves, right, and the blood vessels. When we see these on MRIs, uh, the chordomas are very hyper intense, right? So we talked about tumors that are very active or have a lot of fluid in them. They will be extremely bright on that T2 MRI. And so T2 MRI hyper intensity is something that we'd be looking for. Now, uh, for the CT and the x-rays, the CT and the x-rays are very helpful because the chordomas, especially in the most common region of the sacral area or anywhere else in the spine, they're right next to bone. And so we want to evaluate that bone and bone uh, is best evaluated with x-rays and CTs. And so the CT scan will be very helpful for that reason and allowing us to evaluate how much bone is being affected by the tumor and that will help guide some of our treatment or at least the stabilization uh, afterwards. For these patients, at least, are you obtaining a biopsy routinely? Yeah, I'd say, you know, a biopsy is definitely important in order to uh, be able to come up with the appropriate treatment plan. And uh, while the soften remains high on the differential and has a somewhat characteristic appearance. It's not something that we can diagnose entirely on imaging alone. Um, and so I would say definitely be getting a biopsy in any patient with a lesion that I suspect may be a chordoma just to confirm, because there are some other tumor types that we uh, could be a surprise and um, we, we always want to confirm the tissue diagnosis before we proceed, especially in these cases where it's a malignant lesion. Any any difference in uh, in care when you're taking care of these uh, patients? Oh, no. Oh, oh, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, we, we love the biopsy. I think <laughs> getting additional information almost never hurts. I think there have been some tumors that we've talked about prior that could go without a biopsy. So, for example... Uh, something like a true enchondroma or uh, a lipoma, but that would depend on a definitely a discussion uh, with the patient as well. And so the biopsy is very helpful. And when we sample these tissues and we are able to um, slice them into uh, tiny little bits, uh, stain them, put them under the microscope, we see that these cells, uh, they form a lot of nodules and the cells in themselves, the pathologic uh, cells, um, are foamy and vacuolated. So what that means is each cell has almost has a big storage space, and those spaces are called vacuoles. And for the chordoma cells, these spa- these vacuoles are enlarged and full, and so they appear very foamy. And there's a term for these, and they're called the fissiliferous cells. 
I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, at least. <laughs> I don't know if it's fissiliferous or fissile, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so the, the thing to note about these cells, when you look at them, because they're so vacuolated and wide and because there's a lot of T2 brightness, right? Sometimes it can be confused for chondrosarcoma. And so additional stains, like we've talked about before, are needed. And specifically, the stain that would help you make that difference is a keratin stain, and it will be positive with the chordomas. And so we have a patient that presents with some maybe pain, maybe a mass, maybe some difficulty using the uh, urinating or using going to the bathroom. And uh, we obtain an MRI uh, that showed a mass in this probably the sacral area. We uh, got our CT scan. We had a total spine MRI. We then biopsy to confirm a chordoma. What is your guidance for the patient at this time? What are your treatment options or intervention options from this point on? Yeah, um, and that's a, that's a really good question. A lot of this depends on the patient themselves, any underlying comorbidities, medical comorbidities they have, like baseline functional status, uh, exactly how extensive the tumor is, um, for example, what part of the spine or skull base it's in, and um, how extensive within that area it may be and what nerve roots may be involved. So when possible, typically surgery is a is a good option if the potential deficits are acceptable to the patient and the patient would be expected to survive that big surgery and the potential deficits associated with it. But so a wider section is definitely one of the options that we discuss. The goal being a margin negative resection. It's usually very small margins in this area um, because of that proximity to the bowel and rectum um, and sometimes the vessels in the front as well. Uh, but so margin negative resection is, is definitely one of the options. This may or may not be combined with radiation, either before or after surgery. Um, we call that adjuvant or neoadjuvant. And another option for treatment is actually just radiation alone, definitive radiation. So this is at a higher dose than would typically be given in the setting of uh, uh surgery with radiation. Yeah. Um, so okay. yeah, it could, there's, there's a couple different options that do, do exist. And we like talking to the patients about, about all these options that are available and what some of the potential risks and benefits are. Yeah. And I think you've touched on a couple of things just now is you talked about, if we're talking about surgery and a margin negative resection, we talked about proximity to some bowel we talked about proximity to the bladder. We talked about proximity to vessels. So my assumption would be that there would be other practitioners or surgeons involved in this care as well. Can you give us an idea of some of the other surgeons that a patient that might be undergoing is a chordoma resection might be meeting with as they prepare for the surgery? Yeah, no, absolutely. And so again, we'll kind of focus on this being in as if this were in the sacrum, that most common location, sacrum or coccyx. Um, so when we're talking about a potential surgery 
in this location to remove a portion of the sacrum or all of the sacrum, either a partial or total sacrectomy. In other words, we would often want to partner with a colorectal surgeon to be able to move the bowel out of the way and rectum out of the way um, to be able to facilitate the exposure, both from the front and or the back. Uh, there may be a role for a colonoscopy or a essentially visualization of the inside of the bowel with, uh, you know, this is something that a lot of patients will, uh, that we all are recommended to get at a certain time in our lives um, for preventative purposes, but something that's often important in order to be able to plan the surgery. Uh, another type of uh, provider that a patient may meet with would be a plastic surgeon. It's oftentimes when there's removal of a portion of the sacrum, our plastic surgeons assist with the reconstruction or closure that may involve just moving some of the tissue from the buttocks around in order to get a nice closure on the back, but also may involve borrowing some of the tissue from the abdomen from the uh, the front and moving it to the back in order to get good closure over that area where the sacrum's removed. Um, a spine surgeon or similar to Dr. Awood, who's both trained as a spine surgeon and an orthopedic oncologist, they may be involved in in uh, the care. Uh, that's just really a kind of a small portion of the of the surgeons who may be involved. Vascular surgeons may be involved as well. It's a little bit dependent on the center where this kind of a surgery is done. Um, I'd say there's you know different centers han- handle this kind of case or care in different ways, but um, but definitely a big team that's involved. And it's critical because it's a very big surgery and then we want to maximize the you know yeah outcomes of the patients who who are going through this. Any other team members that I may have uh, not mentioned that you think would be important to point out to our listeners who may be involved in a surgery like this? No, I think I think that's pretty thorough thing we usually address at this point is our survival and what our surveillance is, if any. And so our, with the data that we have, the five-year survival is usually around approximately 60% uh, for chordoma diagnoses and a long-term survival, which is greater than 10 years, is usually around 25% or more. In terms of follow-up imaging, I think it would depend on a lot of things, what kind of Surgical reconstruction is done afterwards. In general, we'd uh, be treating it like a sarcoma follow-up. And so that would include uh, chest imaging uh, as well as uh, local uh, imaging if there were to be any new symptoms that would arise. What do you think, Elise? Yeah, exactly. So kind of similar to the other sarcomas that we've talked about in the past, it's generally local imaging and distant imaging that we do at the same time, typically more frequent initially after uh, the operation or treatment, if that's definitive radiation, and then spacing that out over time as we get farther and farther from the time of uh, cure. Okay, this brings us to our finale. Would you like to give us some salient points, Elise? Yeah, so sticking with the theme of our uh, prior two episodes, uh, chordomas, these are malignant cells of the axial skeleton or the spine and skull base region. 
Um, and as we mentioned multiple times throughout the episode, it's would probably sound like a broken record at this point, but chordomas most commonly occur within the sacrum or coccyx, so the lower part of the spinal column within the spine itself. Anything else to add about chordomas, the take-home points? Yeah, so this will probably be more for our trainees than for patients, but the staining that lets you differentiate this from other tumors that it might look like on pathology would be a keratin stain. So keratin positivity uh, will let you know that this is a chordoma. And the term for the well-vacuolated cells is the facaliferous cells, or as Elise would call it, Bisaliferous. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think All we right. need to to confirm that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that brings us uh, to a close for this episode. It's important to note that every patient's case is unique and the treatment for each diagnosis is dependent on a discussion with your team of physicians. If you'd like for more information, please feel free to check out the articles listed in our episode description. Uh, you can also, uh, if you enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the podcast and Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Circle Insight. Sarcoma Insight. Sarcoma Insight.